Chapter Twelve of the Fundamental Doctrines of the Christian Faith by R. A. Torrey. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Marianne. Chapter Twelve: The Resurrection of the Body of Jesus and of Our Bodies. Remember that Jesus Christ, the seed of David, was raised from the dead, according to my gospel. Second Timothy, Chapter Two, Verse Eight. For I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received how that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures and that he was buried and that he hath been raised on the third day according to the scriptures first corinthians chapter fifteen verses three and four now if christ is preached that he hath been raised from the dead how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead but if there is no resurrection of the dead neither hath christ been raised and if christ hath not been raised then is our preaching in vain your faith also is vain yea and we are found false witnesses of god because we witnessed of god that he hath raised up christ whom he raised not up if so be that he did not rise but if the dead are not raised neither hath christ been raised and if christ hath not been raised your faith is vain ye are yet in your sins then they also that are fallen asleep in christ are perished if in this life only we have hope in christ we are of all men most pitiable. First Corinthians chapter fifteen verses twelve to nineteen. We commemorate today the resurrection of Christ from the dead. We shall see that the resurrection of Christ was a resurrection of the body of Christ, that it was not merely the indwelling spirit of Jesus Christ, clothed upon with a new and entirely different body, that appeared to the disciples on the first resurrection day, but that it was the body that was buried, raised again and that this involves for us not merely the immortality of our souls, but the resurrection and eternal continuance of our bodies. Yet there are many who call themselves Christians, and who say they believe in the Bible, and who consider themselves perfectly orthodox Christians, who do not believe in the resurrection of the body. They merely believe in the immortality of the soul. We shall consider first the fact of the resurrection of the body of Jesus Christ and of our bodies. Turn first, please, to Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Here Paul explicitly declares that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead according to the gospel which he preached. Now what was raised? Certainly not his soul. That did not die. Turning to Acts chapter 2, verses 27 to 31, we find that the soul of our Lord Jesus went into Hades, the abode of the dead. These are Peter's words, spoken on the day of Pentecost, there recorded, Because thou wilt not leave my soul unto Hades, neither wilt thou give thy Holy One to see corruption, that is, in his body, thou madest known unto me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of gladness with thy countenance. Brethren, I may say unto you freely of the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us unto this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, he foreseeing this spake of the resurrection of Christ, that neither was he left unto Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus did God raise up, whereof we are all witnesses. Peter here declares that the soul of Jesus went to Hades, and that it was his flesh, that is, his body, that was kept from corruption and afterwards raised. Turning now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, we read these words of Paul. For we delivered unto you first of all that which also I received, 
how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he hath been raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul here declares that Jesus Christ died and was buried and was raised. What was raised? Paul says that that which was buried was raised. But what was buried? Not the soul of the Lord Jesus, but his body. Peter makes this even plainer, if possible, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 to 20. Because Christ also suffered for our sins once, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened in the spirit, in which also he went and preached to the spirits in prison, which aforetime were disobedient, when the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. These words clearly mean that it was the body of Jesus that was put to death, but that the spirit still lived and went into Hades. So it was the body that was raised, and to which the spirit that had not died or become unconscious came back. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 12 to 19 removes all possibility of doubt on this point on the part of any man who goes to the Bible to find out what it actually teaches, and not merely to see how he can twist and distort it to fit into his own preconceived opinions. Paul's spirit-given words here read, now if Christ be preached, that he hath been raised from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Mark, not no immortality of the soul, but no resurrection of the dead. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, neither hath Christ been raised. And if Christ hath not been raised, then is our preaching in vain, your faith also is vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we witness of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised up, not if it so be that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, neither hath Christ been raised. And if Christ hath not been raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also that have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. There is no honest mistaking of the plain meaning of these words. By the resurrection of the dead, Paul plainly means a resurrection of the body and in the whole chapter, beyond an honest doubt, he is not talking about the immortality of the soul, but the resurrection of the body. The whole argument turns on that, and Paul here clearly says, if the body of Jesus was not raised, then the whole Christian system is a sham and our faith vain, and that we Christians of all men are most to be pitied. For if the body of Jesus was not raised, and if our bodies are not to be raised, then we Christians are making tremendous sacrifices for a lie. Paul says further that if our bodies are not to be raised, then Christ's body has not been raised, and Christianity is a humbug. Christianity, as taught in the New Testament, stands or falls with the resurrection of the body of Jesus and the resurrection of our bodies. There is no room in this argument of Paul's for Pastor Russell's doctrine that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was not a resurrection of the body that was laid in the grave, the body that was crucified, and that the body of Jesus Christ the body that was laid in the sepulchre was carried away and preserved somewhere or else dissolved into gases paul says here if the body that was laid in the sepulchre was not raised then is our preaching vain and your faith also is vain in luke chapter 24 verses 5 and 6 the angels at the tomb from which the body of jesus had disappeared are recorded as saying to the women who were seeking the body of jesus to embalm it why seek ye the living among the dead he is not here but risen now what were the women seeking? The body of Jesus to embalm it, and the angels say that what they were seeking was not there but was risen, had been risen. 
furthermore in the remainder of the sixth verse and verse seven they say remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in galilee saying that the son of man must be delivered up into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise again here they told the women plainly that what was crucified which of course was the body of jesus was raised if the actual literal body of jesus had not been raised then these angels were liars do you believe that these are only a few of the very many passages in which it is clearly taught that the very body of jesus was raised from the dead the body of jesus was raised from the dead and our bodies shall be raised from the dead else christianity is a lie from start to finish but christ was raised from the dead and we shall be raised or as paul puts it in the twentieth verse of the same chapter but now hath christ been raised from the dead the first-fruits of them that are asleep our resurrection the resurrection of our bodies will be the harvest that follows the resurrection of the body of christ which was the first-fruits having clearly settled the fact of the resurrection of the body of jesus christ and of our bodies let us next consider the character of our resurrection bodies first of all we know that the body which is raised will not be exactly the same body that it was when it was laid in the grave this appears from first corinthians chapter fifteen verses thirty five to thirty eight but some will say how are the dead raised and with what manner of body do they come thou foolish one that which thou thyself sowest is not quickened except it die and that which thou sowest thou sowest not in the body that shall be but a bare grain it may chance of wheat or of some other kind but god giveth it a body even as it pleased him and to each seed a body of its own here we are told that our bodies when they are raised will not be exactly the same as our bodies when they are buried any more than the wheat that springs from the kernel of wheat that is planted is the same as the kernel that was planted but just as what grows from the seed comes from the seed and bears the most intimate relation to the seed so our resurrection bodies come from the body that is buried and bear the most intimate relation to it the resurrection body is the outcome of the body that is buried it is the old body quickened and transformed or as paul puts it in philippians chapter three verses twenty and twenty one jesus christ shall fashion anew the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory according to the working whereby he is able even to subject all things unto himself the next thing that the bible teaches about our resurrection bodies is that they are like the glorified body of jesus christ this appears from the verses just quoted philippians chapter three verses twenty and twenty one the lord jesus christ shall fashion anew the body of our humiliation that it may be conformed to the body of his glory according to the work whereby he is able even to subject all things unto himself christ's resurrection body was not the same body that was laid in the sepulchre it was the old body transformed and delivered from the limitations of the body that he had while living here among men and new qualities imparted to it and our bodies will also be transformed into the likeness of this glorious body of christ and thus delivered from the limitations to which they are subjected now and new qualities imparted to them it will be a transformed body the character of its transformation is indicated by the transformation that took place in the body of jesus christ some suggestion as to what that transformed body of jesus christ was like is found in that anticipation of his resurrection which was seen by peter james and john on the mount of transfiguration matthew in his description of the appearance of jesus at his transfiguration tells us that his face did shine as the sun and his garments became white as light 
Matthew chapter 17, verse 2. Luke tells us that the fashion of his countenance was altered and his raiment became white and dazzling. Luke chapter 9, verse 29. Mark tells us that he was transfigured before them and his garments became glistering, exceeding white, so as no fuller on earth can whiten them. Mark chapter 9, verses 2 and 3. The next thing that we are told about our resurrection bodies is that they will not be flesh and blood. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 and 51, we read, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Paul is here talking about our resurrection bodies. It is in the resurrection chapter he says this, and he distinctly tells us that our resurrection bodies will not be flesh and blood. But whilst our resurrection bodies will not be flesh and blood, they will have flesh and bones. This appears from what our Lord himself says about his own resurrection body in Luke chapter 24, verse 39. Here we read that Jesus said, See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones, as ye behold me having. As our resurrection bodies are to be transformed into the likeness of his, we also must have flesh and bones in our resurrection bodies. Some have fancied that they saw a contradiction between what our Lord says here and what Paul says in the passage quoted above, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 and 51. But there is no contradiction. Flesh we shall have, but not flesh and blood. That is, not flesh the animating principle of which is blood. The question arises, what takes the place of blood in our resurrection bodies? The answer seems to be that in the present life, blood is the life of the natural body, but in the life to come, our bodies are to be, as we are told elsewhere in the same chapter, spiritual bodies, that is, bodies the animating principle of which is the Spirit of God, not our own blood. Our not having blood in our resurrection bodies involves many great and glorious possibilities upon which we cannot dwell now. In the fifth place, and closely connected with three and four, our resurrection bodies will be incorruptible. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. The thought of this word incorruption is that the body is not subject to decay. It is imperishable. Our present bodies are decaying all the time. We are perishing every day and every minute. My present body is disintegrating while I talk to you. But the bodies that we shall receive in the resurrection will be absolutely free from the liability to corruption or decay. They cannot disintegrate or suffer decay or deterioration of any kind. The next thing that we are taught about the resurrection body is that it is a glorious body. This comes out in the first part of the following verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 43. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. Some idea of the glory, the glorious beauty of that body is suggested by the representation of our glorified Lord that we have in Revelation chapter 1, verses 13 to 17. And in the midst of the candlesticks, one like unto the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and girt about the breast with a golden girdle. And his head and his hair were white as white wool, white as snow. And his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto burnished brass, as if it had been refined in a furnace, and his voice as the voice of many waters. And he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth proceeded a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as one dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last. 
our resurrection bodies will be like that. Furthermore, our resurrection bodies will be powerful, or as we read in the last half of the same verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 43, it is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. Then all our weariness and weakness will be forever at an end. In our present bodies, our bodies are oftentimes a hindrance to our highest aspirations. They thwart the carrying out of our loftiest purposes. We cannot put into execution our loftiest purposes. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But in our resurrection bodies, the body will be able to accomplish all that the spirit purposes. The redeemed body will be a perfect counterpart of the redeemed spirit that inhabits it. No deafness, dim-sightedness, nor blindness. No tired hands and feet. No maimed soldier boys coming home from the war. It will be a heavenly body. This appears from the 47th to the 49th verses of this same chapter. The first man is of, literally out of, the earth, earthy. The second man is of, literally out of, heaven. As is the earth, such are they also that are earthy. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. The thought plainly is that our present bodies are of an earthly origin and an earthly character, but that the transformed body will be of a heavenly character. Paul explains it at length in Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1-4, to where he says, For we know that if the earthly house of our tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, for verily in this, that is, in this present earthy house, earthy body, we groan, longing to be clothed upon with our habitation which is from heaven, that is, our heavenly body. If so that being clothed we shall not be found naked, for indeed we that are in this tabernacle, that is, in the present earthy body, groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but that we would be clothed upon, that is, with our heavenly body, that what is mortal may be swallowed up of life. Our transformed bodies will be luminous, shining, dazzling, bright like the sun. This may be seen in many passages. For example, in Matthew chapter 13, verse 43, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. This is to be taken literally, for it is the interpretation of the parable and not in the parable. This suggests what we have already seen about the transfigured body of Jesus in Matthew chapter 17, verse 2, where we are told that his face did shine as the sun, and his garments became white as the light. We have the same thought also in the Old Testament in Daniel chapter 12, verse 3, where we are told, And they that are wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars for ever and ever. They shall shine literally as well as figuratively. Some suggestion of what the luminous glory of our faces and forms in our resurrection bodies will be is seen in the light that Paul tells us he saw beaming from the person of Jesus when the glorified Jesus met him on the Damascus road. In Paul's description of what he saw on that occasion, as given in Acts chapter 26, verses 12 and 13, we read, Whereupon as I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, above the brightness of the sun, shining around about me and them that journeyed with me. The light that Saul saw, as is evident from the whole account, was the light that shone from the person of our glorified Lord, and in our resurrection bodies we shall be like him. 
Three interesting facts regarding our resurrection bodies are stated in Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, and Luke chapter 20, verses 35 and 36. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, we read, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as angels in heaven. In Luke chapter 20, verses 35 and 36, we read, But they that are counted worthy to attain to that world and the resurrection of the dead neither marry nor are given in marriage, for neither can they die any more, for they are equal unto the angels, and are sons of God, being sons of the resurrection. Taking these two passages together, we learn that our resurrection bodies are like the angels, that we do not marry in our resurrection bodies, and that these bodies cannot die any more. Though all these resurrection bodies are glorious, they differ from one another, each having its own peculiar glory. This appears from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 41 and 42. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection from the dead. Glorious as all our bodies shall be, there will be no tiresome uniformity even of glory in the world of resurrection bodies. Each body will have its own peculiar glory. Let us say finally, in regard to the character of our resurrection body, that the resurrection of our body will be the consummation of our adoption that is, of our placing as sons, our manifestations as sons of God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 23, we read, We, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for our adoption, that is, our placing as sons, to wit the redemption of our body. The resurrection body will be the consummation of our placing as sons, that is, in the resurrection body it will be outwardly manifested that we are sons of God, before his incarnation, Christ was in the form of God, Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, that is, in the visible appearance of God. So shall we also be in the resurrection, for our bodies shall be like his. This throws light upon what Paul meant when he said in Colossians chapter 3, verse 4, When Christ, who is our life, shall be manifested, then shall we also with him be manifested in glory. And also it throws light on what John meant when he says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, Revised Version, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it is not yet made manifest what we shall be. We know that, if he shall be manifested, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There remains but one question to be considered, and we can deal with that very briefly. The question is, when will the resurrection of the body take place? This question is plainly answered time and again in the Bible. For example, it is answered in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also we wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall fashion anew the body of our humiliation, that it may be conformed to the body of his glory, according to the working whereby he is able even to subject all things unto himself. Here it is plainly declared that the transformation of our bodies into the likeness of the glorious body of Christ will take place when the Lord Jesus, whom we are awaiting, shall appear from heaven. The same thought is given in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive, that are left, shall together with them be caught up into the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so we shall ever be with the Lord. The question will arise in some of our minds, what about us in the meantime if we chance to die before the coming of the Lord? This question is also plainly answered in Second Corinthians 
chapter 5, verses 1 to 8. For we know that if the earthly house of our tabernacle, our present bodies, be dissolved, die and decay, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, our resurrection body that we are to get at the coming of the Lord, eternal in the heavens. For verily in this, while living in this present body, we groan, longing to be clothed upon with our habitation, which is from heaven, our resurrection body, so that being clothed we shall not be found naked. For indeed, we that are in this tabernacle, this present earthy body, do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, that is, not that we would merely get rid of our present bodies, but that we would be clothed upon, that is, that we would receive our resurrection bodies, that what is mortal may be swallowed up of life. Now he that wrought us for this very thing is God, who gave unto us the earnest of the Spirit, that is, the Holy Ghost, whom we have received as the earnest of the full redemption in our resurrection bodies, which are to be obtained at the coming of the Lord. Being therefore always of good courage, and knowing that, whilst we are at home in the body, that is, while we are still in our earthly life in this present earthly body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and are willing rather to be absent from the body, that is, to have our present earthly body die even before we get our resurrection bodies, which we shall not get until the return of the Lord, and to be at home with the Lord. The teaching of this plainly is that if we die before the return of the Lord, and therefore before we obtain our resurrection body, our spirits are unclothed, that is, they are unclothed from this present body and not yet clothed upon with the resurrection body, but that we are at home with the Lord in conscious blessedness, in a condition that is far better than that that we are in in this present life. See Philippians chapter 1 verse 23 revised version. But not so perfect as that condition which shall be when our redeemed spirits are clothed upon with our resurrection bodies. It will be at the return of the Lord Jesus that we get our full redemption. That is one reason why we wait, literally assiduously wait, for him. Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21. See Greek. That is one reason why we long for the return of the Lord. There are many reasons why we long for the return of our Lord. All the great problems that are confronting us at the present time in national and international life, in social, commercial, and political life, will be solved when he comes, and will never be solved until he comes. And for these reasons we long for him. But we long for him also because while this present body serves many a useful purpose for the redeemed spirit that inhabits it, it is often a hindrance. It is often subject to aches and pains, to frailties, and it is a constant temptation to folly. But when our Lord Jesus comes again, he will transform this present body of our humiliation into the likeness of his own glorious body, and at that time we shall know what full salvation means when we shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of our Father. End of chapter 12